Hello everybody. I am so excited for this week's episode. This one is really special for me because it really speaks to the intuition from a place that's untaught. It speaks to the intuition from a place of being natural and being found in every single aspect of life. Today on the Inner Call podcast, I speak to Dalit Kambu, and she is a Berlin-based, originally from Thailand, chef. She is the head chef at a restaurant called Kindi in Berlin, and it has received a Michelin star, which is very special because it is the first restaurant to receive a Michelin star that is a Thai restaurant. And she is the youngest woman in Germany to receive a Michelin star. The thing that struck me, however, aside from all of this incredible recognition by the food community, is that Dalit is is self-taught. She speaks about it today in our podcast, but she didn't go to a fancy culinary school. She really followed her heart and knew that cooking was for her, despite resistance from the outside world despite people saying that it was too hard or it wasn't a woman's job to be a chef in the kitchen she pursued it and we talk about that as to that soft knowing deep inside but then quite the perhaps like harsher external need to push through and show yourself and then how to pull back and find the balance where is that flow found versus where is that push found and how can we find ourselves within that within the proving ourselves to the world as well as taking care of our own souls i really adored this conversation i hope you do as well the inner call is truly found in every area in every profession in every respect so enjoy this conversation and don't forget to leave a review let me know what you're thinking so far, and thank you for being here. Hello, hello. Hi. Yeah. How are you? I was just like eating my sandwich and like running around. Oh, good. You want to finish? You want to finish eating it? I actually had the same thing on my way over here. I was like, oh god, I haven't eaten anything. I can't be talking to a chef hungry. That's not gonna work for me. <laughs> So we're gonna be talking about food. I like I like also shoved food in right before this, so we're on the same page. Okay. <laughs> no, I went to the gym before. How are you? You just went to the gym? Uh, yeah, I went to the gym. Went to do like I tried to do a workout um for my back because you know working in the kitchen is a really intense um work because we stand all day and then like we bend a lot to pick up stuff and all this thing. If you have if you have like a core muscle, it's pretty shit. <laughs> Could be did you like, did you learn the hard way? Are you are yeah. you now better about it because you learned the hard way? I always have like back pain since I was younger, and I think it's because like I always been like the tallest one, and all my friends always been like smaller than me when I was growing up in Thailand, and then I always like hunch and I always have really bad posture and all this thing, and now that I'm trying to, um, and now that you know you have a job where you like physically need to be standing bending and picking up stuff all the time and you know i'm not like 22 years old anymore i also hunch but i was not the tallest in my i just had big boobs that's why i hunched and then i got a breast reduction and now i'm like oh wait i can i can like open back up it's, i don't have to hide from the world you can give me your boobs <laughs> that's what everyone said i swear you know that it's so funny when you have them you don't want them and when you don't have them you want them but this is sort of funny how like we you know as human but also as women we concern so much about how we look you know like our physique physical appearance um can be all burdens you know can be such a heavy thing when it should be a beautiful thing because will we you know if you're born healthy or you're not healthy like you know but you can see you can feel you can eat you can experience that all the beautiful thing that the world have given to us Yet we tend to, f to forget that and, and just kind of not appreciate what we have and focus on a thing the society somehow, you know, push us to think about it in a way that we shouldn't. It's been some serious work to overcome this idea of finding identity within the self versus reacting 
to how the world perceives, because then you can really set the tone. I think if you can find a way to identify who you truly are, then you set the tone. But so many of us prior to that are just reacting, reacting, reacting. Yeah. 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 And it's also identity. Isn't that the thing that's like, we all, you know, I think during COVID, I think that's been a time where the whole world have identity crisis. Most people have identity crisis because, you know, you no longer do the job you're supposed to do. You no longer go to your office. You no longer interact with people. You know, you become a stay home person and stay home dad, stay home mom or stay home worker. Like you know, when you have interaction with people, you know, um, children particularly, like they um, suffer more than anything. And it makes you wonder what is really your identity supposed to be? Have you ever wondered like, you know, like what, is our identity supposed to be is it supposed to be what we do or how we see ourselves, or how you know how much the world see ourselves have anything to do with our identity isn't an identity is something that you're supposed to choose yourself yet you know most of us kind of let what we do and let like how society define us become our identity and that's just you know not very um um, not necessarily healthy or um, sustainable for ourselves. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. I, I think we might have this in common because I would consider myself a third culture kid, having grown up in multiple cultures and not fully being able to identify with one. And do you also experience that in your life, this sense of what exactly is the culture I belong to and how do I place myself as an as a person with that identity? Has that been something that comes up around being from Thailand, spending time in the US, being now in Berlin? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, because, you know, I, I grew up in Thailand, but when I was in Thailand, I, I mean, I, I identify myself as a Thai person, but do I agree or understand with the idea, the concept and beliefs in Thailand, you know, and all of them, like, of course not. Like, you know, a lot of things that I believe, only small amount of people there just see the same thing. And, you know, when you move to the state, um, you know, I had to pay the, play the role of, I use the word playing because at that time you didn't realize that you were playing. You just thought that you were just sort of like a survival mode, right? You move into a new city. You want to make friends. You want to create a new life. You just kind of get out and go to work. And of course, in the beginning, I met like Thai people there, you know, um, because I started working in a Thai restaurant. And But then you go to school and you meet like non-Thai people and, you know, they kind of look at you. It was like, you know, in the 2006, so the conversation, you know, like the Me Too movement, the conversation about racism, sexism was not as um, um, fluid or wasn't spoken about as much as then. So, you know, I became like this Asian girl, like the Asian woman, um, more like an Asian girl who just, you know, I look very young and I just move into the state and I have an accent and have a different way of eating. And I, you know, try to fit in with the, you know, American culture and I try to eat, fit into, even though New York is super diverse, you know, but still it's in America. So you try to fit in and try to, you know, act like, how you know a white woman at my age would have done you know like how they party and drinking and dating and all this thing but i couldn't really do it because it's not me i, I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of things and then there's a question of oh you're fresh off birth you know this term which i find inherently racist you know that you kind of use it to look down upon people that different than the Western society that, oh, they're fresh off the boat, you know, they just came off the boat. And, you know, now there's a show in America, which they kind of make fun of it. And it's like a comedian, comedy show. And that's really great. But the reality of it, they didn't see me as me. They saw me as an Asian girl and whatever stereotype they have. And then I had to either play that to be to have friends or to be accepted into their world or i had to do my own things and be myself and you know and found my and, and which i did which eventually i found my way i found my friends i took time you know but but this thing like coded me a very long time until like you know recently i think the last few years you know i feel like i have became myself a lot more you know, I have, but it's also because I found out, I realized that we all have our, the power to be yourself is always there. 
it's just when you discover that you have it, you know, and we have more power than we think we do. And um, when I realize I have that and then I make a decision, this is me, you know, I like to wear my fisherman pants at home and I like to eat rice. <laughs> I, you know, very, very open person, um, very, you know, no filter. I speak what I thought my mind and um, I'm funny and I'm very loving. Um, and here are some of my boundaries of things I don't want to deal with, you know, like I won't let you take advantage of my openness or my, the fact that I'm nice. And this is a thing that took really, really long time to discover. And I think, you know, when you're not white entirely, you know, like you said, you have mixed culture, you know, I had, it, it's, it's hard in the West world, in the Western world, when you're in an environment where like, you know, people are majority, you know, different color, different culture. It's, it's, it can be hard. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't have it as hard because I am still white. I'm from the Netherlands, just moved to Texas. But it was still this sense of different and didn't speak English and had a weird name. And, you know, all these these things that that allow somebody to pinpoint you as different. But I think it also was such a gift because it makes you really lean into who you are. And as a younger person, I think that creates a lot of friction, but then you're right. It takes a long time to become who you're supposed to be. Uh, but in some ways it sped it up for me, I think, because there was that friction, there was that push-pull, there was that questioning. I'm interested now because you speak about feeling maybe isolated when you first come to the U.S., yet now you own and run and are a Michelin star chef of a Thai cuisine restaurant, which is a real ownership of the identity. Yeah, it's quite a thing. <laughs> when I first moved to New York, I always knew that it's what I want to do, like food, because, you know, I grew up in a foodie home and food have always been like a big thing. And I guess very quickly you realize that the first thing you miss when you're not home is for your food. And throughout my times in New York, you know, I just start working um, towards that. So when I was in college, I would work in a restaurant and then, you know, I would work in like Thai restaurant and then I move on to work to like, a, you know, American owned restaurant. And when I finished school, you know, it was clear to me that like, spend some time in Paris because one of my mom's like dear friends she's like a chef there and she's very inspiring to see that she able to do it without going to um, cooking school and you know she's like at the time where it was all men like all white men chef in Paris it's only men and white she was like this Asian woman that like became very successful and have her own restaurant and it's like a high-end restaurant where like people would go and eat and that's like incredible inspiring and I thought so if she could do it I I should be able to do it too. Mm. Try to pursue that idea for a while in the state, but um, it didn't really take off right away. Like it it wasn't easy because people sort of didn't see me for who I am, and people were sort of saw me as like this pretty woman because I was a you know I was young, I was fresh, very friendly. So no matter how hard I tried to do this restaurant project thing, whether like you know I can bring my aunt from Paris or like I can do it myself, whichever concepts people always end up putting me in the front. You should be in the front. Like you should should run the restaurant, you should talk to the people. And and I was like, yeah, but I want to be in the kitchen. You know, I wanted to cook. And that was really, really hard to push through that. And and also myself didn't realize I'd have the power uh, in myself to say, no, this is what I'm going to do. So I started cooking more and more at home. Next thing you know, all my friends start asking for more. Like, mm. oh my God, can you make that? Can you do that? Oh, you should bottle up your curry and sell it to me. Like, it's so good. Like, I would love to eat more of that. So throughout, like, the passion and love I have that, like, persistent and never, like, stop, I just kept cooking and then, you know, getting this all feedback, all this feedback. And then next thing you know, I met with one of my mentors who is, like, an artist. And so I started helping him out. And then I went to, like, upstate New York for one opening that he had like with his galleries you know in the big kitchen where people would come and eat it's an, it's an event you no longer cooking at home and by the end of the third day men would run up to me and be like can you shop the chicken and I realized like it's not cooking is not that hard 
all along the time, I thought I shouldn't pursue that because I thought it was too hard for me. Because everyone's like, you should be in a farm. You would do so much better. Cooking is too difficult for you. You should never do it. You know, from the male chef that I have respect for, from my ex-boyfriend, from the restaurateur I met, from all of these people, they, they told me I shouldn't do it. And I believed them. And then I realized, actually, I could do it. I love that. I love it for a million reasons to say, I'm going to ignore all that external feedback. I'm going to do it my way. But two, I love it from the perspective of you followed your own truth and your intuition. When I, when I teach one of my main pillars that I feel allows somebody to be intuitive is that you have to prioritize internal feedback over external feedback. If you prioritize external feedback, which is that it's too hard for you, you shouldn't do it. You belong in the front of the house who do you think you are, right? Then all intuition gets lost. And I wonder for you, that knowledge of, no, I can do it. Did it also have a deeper spiritual pool, a purpose pool, a feeling of, I have to do it? Yeah. It, that's so right. You know, like we, like, again, it's the same thing with identification, uh, um, you know, all identities that like we often listen to the society and other people and forgot to ask ourselves, like, right, like, because in the side of ourselves, like, you know, what we really want and who we really are, what our capacity. And can you imagine how many capacity we lost because we didn't listen to ourselves? Can you imagine if we learned at the very young age, you know, the, whatever, um, you know, methods of these could be your method, could be like the Buddhist me Buddhism method, like meditation, uh, or could be any other, you know, so many way of like learning. If we learn as, as, since a very young age to listen to our inner voice and our, our own intuition. Can you imagine what kind of, we would, you know, we would be a superpower, superhuman. Agreed. You know, we would reach our, fulfill, we would fulfill our capacity and we'll reach our potential, you know, and, and this is something that women often in her thirties realize or late 20, if you're lucky that like, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I don't want to do, you know, and, and it's never too late to discover that. But I also wonder what would have been lifey if I discovered it since I was 14, for example, you know. Absolutely. Or even not to be socialized out of it. I think I came into the world being that, but was very quickly told that it was making me a difficult person to be around and unlikable, do you know? So this sense of, when you're young and you're like, well, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. Everyone goes, well, that's not a very likable characteristic, especially as a woman. So maybe you want to tone that down. Maybe that that isn't really how you want to be with the world. That's not going to be appreciated. And it felt to me that I kind of came into the world unlikable, if you will, in terms of this, that push and pull of like, I'm going to do it my way swung to the other side, became very people-pleasing, and then had a moment in my late 20s, as you say, where I was like, wait, 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 why am I trying to appease the external? Like, where, where, who am I? Like, what do I like? What do I dislike? When did you have your moment? Was there a defining moment, or was that just a gradual, continual expression as to who you are? And you, know, you know, when I was 30, I moved to Berlin and that was my third, it's not the third city, that would be like the fourth or the fifth city that I've kind of lived or spent a, a majority of time at and the third continent um, that I live, you know, from Thailand to like America and then to Germany. But I didn't feel worthy. I didn't realize like how much I knew or how much I saw and I didn't have the confidence and then this possibility of doing a restaurant in Berlin happened. So that's why I moved here. And then I pursue it and pursue it. And by the time that we opened it, which was a very difficult process of going through this, all this difficulty, you know, and went through like the moment where like, do we need to close the restaurant? People didn't really get what we're doing. People didn't think Thai food can be better than a cheap eight euros, the whole meal thing, you know, to like, okay, now people like accepted. That's kind of gradually like, but not, but much faster. And I'm still learning and I'm still growing, you know, and I still like actually, you know, for the first time in like last year was the first time in my life where I'm like, no, what's, 
boundary means and to not avoid it in the way that when you were younger you kind of like i don't want to do it so want to find an excuse get out of it hey i'm sorry i can't make it i don't really want to do it or i don't really want to see these people so you kind of avoid them now i'm like hey i can't spending too much time with these people because it's draining for me i don't want to spend spend time with them like you can say it out loud you more you know and, and this is something you learn throughout like you know years of course you made mistakes and you drain yourself but to have that confidence to say it you know and to become this woman it's really a gradual thing and i think it will continue to gradual you know like i think we are going to continue me for me i can say for myself i'm going to continue to learn more and more as well oh yeah me too every year is another oh i didn't realize i could be more of me right it's it's an interesting experience to make friends with the self and to speak up for what you need i think the idea of, of what you need so i'm curious as as that concept you're busy. You have decided to continue the restaurant. It's successful. How do you carve out the time for you to stay rooted to your purpose, rooted to your feeling of knowing what's right for you? What do you need in your life right now to make all of that happen? So I made this huge, not a huge mistake, but of course, like anyone would have done the same what I've done. So as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, a restauranter, and also a head chef. So the first years of the restaurant, I just worked my ass off. Like, I worked so hard. I work every day. I'm the first to arrive, the last to leave. Um, you know, I didn't want my staff to work too much. So everyone sort of worked in a decent hours, you know. Because, you know, like, chef um, can be notoriously known for working 15, 16 hours. And you can't do that in Germany because you have the thing called, like, overtime and the regulation. So you couldn't do it. Mm. But I did that on myself because I'm, like, I'm the owner. So I'm just going to work more. When it went like that for years, I actually started to get sick. Um, I started to have, like, you know, a um, chronic, like, bladder infection. And this is something that, like, most women, like, kind of like, oh, I have bladder infection. No one wants yeah. to talk about it out loud. I'm, like... It's one of the most painful, you know, illness that you can have. It's horrible. Um, even one time, you know, I pee in blood once. It's, it's, I had to go to the hospital in the middle of the night, you know, and, and it was during holiday. Mm. But like my body just sort of, you know, couldn't take it um, um, anymore, I guess. And then I, and when I started talking about it, I discovered a few more women in the chef circle who has it. Um you know and who have it and they are like yeah we we used to have it um for a really long time we someone woman still struggle with mm -hmm. on and off the other woman yeah. you know and they all try different methods and stuff like that so this is what i did as a mistake um of like never take like you know i didn't prioritize myself my health i prioritized the business i prioritized like the work yeah. i prioritized my career and you know it was wrong because the career would not survive if I cannot go to work. The restaurant also wouldn't do well if I cannot go to show up to work well. And I didn't realize, like, I was, you know, I was so tired. I, like, was so, I had no energy. One of my staff who'd been with me for a really long time, she said, you know, you used to look like a ghost. You would come in, hell, no emotions, and you just work, 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 and you just smile a little bit, and then you just go home and you just work non-stop and then they also what they also discover that they discover like an abnormal cells in my body in the uterus mm. and in the end i chose an alternative way to deal with it you know like how to treat it instead of like the western way of just like let's cut part of your tissues off um but that was like a wake-up call that like hey if you keep doing like this the career that you can have 20 30 years going to become five years or six years you're gonna burn out so from then on I changed and it was like a gradual thing so I started with like I started working out uh, I started seeing a nutritionist and take a um, supplement I start taking more days off because it, it is an exhausting work so like you know it's a gradual thing that like eventually I can be a brain I can actually be super creative and come in and think of the menu train people but not have to physically five days a week being there anymore i also like take my holiday and time off i can't wait until like i decided not to wait until like, i can't take it anymore 
I'm my body is sore and you know I used to take holiday twice a year if you're lucky so once in summer for like a week and a half and then when we close on Christmas you know and New Year's break and that's just not enough for your body and then also like stop drinking you know coffee for a while and have tea first thing in the morning meditating and I think the most important thing is to to be okay with yourself to say I cannot do it I think this is like the hardest thing as a chef and as someone who has a job who's like so, you know, demanding for you to be there all the time, to be able to say it out like, I cannot do it. Mm. And like, I'm not well right now. I need some time off. Yeah. You know, and these are things that like, you know, as a career, you know, especially as a woman, as a career woman, you have more kind of pressure on you, right? Because already like becoming a chef all this men, men chef expect or they already look at you like you're not going to be able to do it the way I do it even if you can do it it's not going to be that good oh you're pretty you're just a model your food is not that great and I you know always tell people I didn't become a chef because I want to be the best chef in the world I became a chef because I want to prove to the world that Thai food how it's supposed to be done and the Thai food is not just a cheap two, three euros, five euros, eight euros. You can spend the same amount you spend on French food on a nice, you know, six course dinner for like, this, you know, for our food. The same, you can spend the same amount because our food requires so much time and it has integrity to do it. So it was always my mission. And for now, for the first time I, I can say it out loud that I've done that. I've accomplished that. And it's okay for me to take a little bit of a rest. Mm and be yeah. okay with it. I, when you speak about this, it's interesting to me, the UTI cells in the uterus, I mean, that is the feminine part of your body and a feminine problem kind of screaming out, we're not going about it in our most natural feminine way. It's something I've really been looking at in my business over the last few years, this idea of, can we accomplish something just as powerfully with a flow with rest, with allowing all members of the team to rest, or do we have to just force, 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 because that's how we've been told is the best way, which is a very masculine way, right? Like the male body doesn't change throughout the month. The male body operates the same every day, but yet I've really come to this realization of we flow throughout our month. We have times where we're meant to be in focus and meant to be in the grind and then we have times where we're supposed to pull back and rest and envision and create. And there's something so powerful to that when you adhere to it. But I myself too spent the vast majority of my life thinking if I just push harder, then my value will increase. And it is a deprogramming because that is something that we we've decided if I don't do it that way, it's not powerful enough. And now that I'm starting to also shift that focus to say, okay, what if it's not forcing? What if it's just flowing with it? What if I'm allowing things to happen? What if my time is actually valuable in that creative space, in the envisioning? What if that's just as valuable? What then? And we just haven't been programmed that way. No, we've been programmed to do like, okay, like we, you know, the society and the world sort of like program according to men, nine to five, wake up, work out in the morning, go to the gym, go to work, you know, doing more, hit the goal, um, more sales and increasing the revenue and more, more, more. And this is like a very Western and masculine way of seeing things, you know, when like there are times of the month where we should rest more and there were times of the month to be more productive. And there's a time of the month where like we, you know, want to be more creative and want to do things and our body have a different rhythm and rhythm and we have yet to understand it or following it and we've been following the different clocks different setting which is not good for your body and not great for it at all you know and and here i am like you know i'm a chef i'm a boss i own my own business and i you know sort of like a role model in the way for many women to be able to do it but I can't tell them that they should do it this way because, and, but at the same time, I'm also have, was, I used to have a really hard time taking off. I used to have, a, I'm still having a hard time sometimes, you know, I can't come into the gifts. I'm not feeling well. 
I'm okay with to say it out now, but I'm still like a little bit always thinking about I should go in there, you know, I should go to work, I should be there, and this is not sustainable. Like we, we we're not gonna do better work by not listening to ourselves. Have you found now that you have been able to reevaluate how you create in a day and how do, how you show up in the day that you have a stronger sense as to your next step or your own intuitive creative flow is there a feeling of starting to awaken that voice more than before um so I, like you know a week ago i said to my staff that i think i have a burnout that i didn't realize i have a burnout but i can't think of a new i couldn't think of a new dish my brain's really like i could not think of a new dish i mean it's quite challenging in our restaurant actually in my in my restaurant because we do local products mostly so we don't go buy like you know mango or stuff so in the winter time in berlin even though with the preserving stuff that we have it's a little bit harder to think of the menu but every year we went through it everything yeah i come up with something new um the staff help and blah blah and this year i'm like i i really i was like i can't think of a new any new dishes you know I can think of one, but I couldn't see the whole menu. It doesn't dance, doesn't flow. And then I decided to take off. Yeah, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to travel a little bit. I'm going to go back to see my family. and But before that, even a week, I'm just going to go on this trip to see my husband a little bit and stuff like that. And I think that helps. Because now, like, you know, after, like, take off and sleep, being a, you know, and that's it's really helped. Um, and I don't think it's about me going away, but it's more about me listening to myself. That like, hey, we, it's, I'm, I'm not well and I need to take off. So now like, I'm still like figuring out like what's the best way for me to work and all this thing, you know, but I think I feel like it's okay to reduce my day a little bit. It's okay to go to the gym because it's important for me three, three times a week. And, you know, eating healthy and do all these things. And also like, hey, I don't, Sunday, I don't want to see anyone. I want to be alone. I want to read my book and stay home. You know, I think that's also really important. Absolutely. Because have you found in the past when you're creating these menus that it feels to be inspired by something beyond yourself, that there is an inspiration flowing? Uh, I often feel with artists, for example, that it that they will tell me that it doesn't seem to come from them, from their rational brain that it seems to be coming from someplace else yeah definitely like it's like you know like you can like with menu it used to be like i'm craving for this thing so let's do it but because we're sustainable that's wrong so we look for what we have first so we look for the material it's like an artist like when you look at the material it's like um you know like a, a sculpture looking at the material like we're looking what we have available in the season at this time from the small farmers and then we'll work from there. So it requires a lot of creativity. And yes, like there were, there are times that like I'm just inspired and I have all this idea popping out and you just make all these dishes in the menu and it's wonderful. You know, and there are times that there's nothing coming. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if this creativity is just, it's also like, you know, this flow you have, or is it yourself able to open for this flow to happen as well? And when you work a lot, when you stress, when you know have so many obligations and the weather is not great, it's been, you know, Berlin notoriously known for like being really gray and not sunny for months and months. I feel like that channel just closed. Yeah. So completely. Yeah, I can't agree more. It, it, for me, it was one of my biggest aha moments in the last five years, just with teaching people how to be more intentional, how to get that flow to move. It's not just a spiritual concept. All understanding intuitively all inspiration has to flow through our bodies like we can't separate the body from the spirit so if the nervous system is overworked if it's not regulated if you are dead tired you cannot translate energy if you will inspiration through your body like the body has to be a receiving vessel for that this is also why i was wondering like you know how do those two pieces coincide and i think it's just it's a continual conversation around we live in that mentality of we have to push harder but if we push harder we exhaust the body we lose all inspiration we lose intuition that is the feminine form right the intuitive is the feminine form so we're pretty much shutting it out we're saying like oh no that's not important 
So I just, I love this conversation around you prioritizing yourself because we need you. We need the, that inspiration to flow through you. And that inspiration can't just flow through anybody. It needs to find the person who's working, who's, um, knowledge bases of food and the creativity that you're putting out like you are so dialed in I think to be a perfect vessel for that inspiration and I feel like it's so important then to give yourself that break so you can be the the most open vessel yeah and then sometimes we also forgot like we have so many roles like for me like I'm a chef yes but I'm also a head chef also a restaurateur also um you know entrepreneur you know, I own the business and stuff. And, and me as a person for other projects I want to do, like, you know, like I love like talking and giving, inspiring other women. I love, you know, to read more and research more on like, you know, agriculture and uh, history of, you know, equality and how this all connected and all through food. There's so many, you know, we are, we're not just one person wake up, go cooking and go home. And, you know, but then yet, like for so long, I'm like, I have to be there. Because if I'm not there, then I'm not fulfilling this role. I'm like, well, there's so many other roles that require different things from you. You know, how about as a person, mm -hmm. like as a person, you know, as a woman in on this world, like who also, you know, have the curiosity and want to enjoy being a woman. You know, I want to enjoy, you know, doing other things. And sometimes I want to go get a massage or doing yoga or you know, having tea with my girlfriends and meet other women and all this thing I just totally ignored for years mm. and just focus on like showing up at work, being there because, you know, if I'm not doing it, I'm not fulfilling my role, you know, and let um, I let, you know, what other men, male chef speak affect me, you know, mm. and they don't have my role. They don't own the business. Or even if they own the business, they're, they're not me. They're not women. They don't have the body I have. They don't have the spirit I have. We are different spirits. We are different body. Like, we, I, I, you know, it's so important now I, like, listen more and more of who I am. Hmm. I also think purpose can change throughout your lifetime. So maybe it was, in one essence, a purpose of yours to really create something and birth it and that and birth is always kind of a messy rough experience right like whether we're looking at it from a physiological perspective it's just it's beautiful it is magical but it's not easy <laughs> like not it's not like polished and um and clean and you know just like easy breezy so i wonder too if perhaps your purpose is shifting from that sense of, okay, you were there to push something out. You were there to birth something, which is messy and conflicting and tiring and oof. And now it's shifting into something else. And can you allow that shift? Can you allow yourself to say, okay, like maybe I don't quite know what the next purpose is and what the next direction is, but maybe there is another evolving of this, another experience of this that has a different type of purpose. Yeah, for sure. For sure, like I have other projects that I always wanted to do, and it was impossible to do it when you, you know, worked so hard, like in the kitchen. And mm -hmm. I've come to accept it that like it's okay for me to be less at the restaurant, and it's okay to have someone else, you know, take over my responsibility, and let them have mm -hmm. input. Because quite frankly, that's what every restaurant do anyway. You know, like most restaurant. It's never just one person come up with the idea or two people. It's like a team effort. It's like stuff. Um, now it's okay to let someone, you know, take over my responsibility and see where that goes. And um, you're right. Like, you know, it's like a purpose shift. Yeah. What are you currently feeling pulled to? You talk about you want to spend time with family. Does that feel also like a purposeful callback to roots towards that identity, that sense of who am I? I definitely want to spend more time with my family in Thailand. And I think that's also like being Thai and how like we're always taking care of the elders and you know, my grandpa is really old, my mother is getting older. And that is something that, you know, I have it in me as a young age. We were taught, like if you're Thai, you were taught at a very young age to appreciate the elders, to to love them, to take care of them and to respect them. And, the, and one part of me that is thing calling me like to spend time um, with my family. I also recently got married. You know, and there's just like a sense of like, I want to build a family with my husband and um, 
you know, but we both also like have very similar mind. We like we love to like do interesting things. We love to explore like, you know, in projects and doing things that like you know like he doesn't really care about money. He's just more like interested in doing like we participate in the project which is like creative and interesting and doing something new. So there's like a pull into different direction, and to be honest, a bit confusing. <laughs> you know, like Thailand, my husband in Mallorca, but he wants to move here, my career, and then like I also want to start another project on business wise, where like I really always want to do it. I'm super passionate about it for a really long time to do like Thai products, but I want to structure it in the way that we only support small farmers around the world and only use their products from Thailand to Berlin or wherever the fact like you know matter wherever we sell, we would use like local products to. Build it. Yeah. No. As you as you speak about it, for me, it feels like your purpose is slightly shifting, and there's always that in between moment where it looks dark and confusing, right? Because you know what you what you used to do, and you can continue doing that in a way, but there's still that like, no, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving, and part of that is like the acceptance of it, and it sounds like you are in acceptance because you're like, no, I have to change. The way I've been operating, I have to change the way I've been going. So I, for me, as you speak about it, I'm like, oh no, she's about to come on some big next purpose call. But you got to give yourself that grace of oh, time. You think? Yeah, I do. I really feel that. I'm like, oh, the next big thing is coming, but you can't create from an empty vessel. You're right. So how do I fill up this vessel? Like let time heal, eat, sleep, rest. Read. I think you're doing all the right. Yeah, it's all about like how do you get your nervous system regulated. It sounds to me like when you go to Thailand, you feel really nourished as well. Super nourished. Yeah. Like it's like you're home. Yeah. You know, it's like you go back to your root in the way. And um, I recently, like last week, I um, I had anxiety attacks. Actually, I wasn't sure if I should speak about it in um, on this talk now, but out of nowhere, I mean, I had anxiety before, like not my human, we all have it here and there, but I had severe anxiety attack for three days in a row where like my heart crunched, I felt like it was collapsing and I was just like, couldn't, couldn't do anything for like, you know, during this time that happened, I have to breathe, you know, I couldn't hold the phone because the phone became so heavy, mm. you know, like I lose... And like my body just crunched into a small, hopeless, squeezing my heart. My heart was squeezing like crazy. And I have to breathe, meditate in the morning and skip all the coffee and all this thing. And, um, and I wonder if this is a part of me from one chapter to another, you know, or is it because there are things inside that I never dealt with it that I need to deal with it, you know, but maybe it's both. Yeah, it could be both. I do think anxiety does often show up for people whose nervous system are more sensitive, which has like that gift of intuition and that gift of creativity and inspiration and seeing things differently in the world, right? Like you're a sensitive being if you're watching the world through a different lens, but then it comes with that shadow side perhaps or the difficulty of how do you keep a nervous system like that in balance? And when you don't, it will start speaking to you and it will be angry. It will be like, hey, you know, we're not we're not getting balanced here. Um, in some ways, I think it's a gift. I mean, I I certainly had, you know, I, I never realized I had anxiety. And then I remember talking to this therapist and I was just explaining what I thought was a very rational, normal thought process. And I remember she paused and she kind of chuckled and she goes, yeah, you know, we have, we have a word for that. And that's called anxiety. And I was like, it's like, oh. You didn't know the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, this is just how my mind works. Like, I'm just explaining to you that this is how my mind works. She was like, oh yeah, no, that's, uh, they do have a word for that, actually. Like, that is very clearly anxiety. <laughs> and so, <laughs> So I was like, oh, okay, got it. Wow. All right. This whole time I kind of was like, I don't have anxiety. I'm functional, right? Because I think it's like that idea of you can't have both. You can't be functioning and also have anxiety. But for me, it's it's been this like um, exploration as to as to why, because I see it over and over and over again with students. Anyone who has that 
that sensitivity also tends to very quickly move into anxiety when overstimulated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing, you know, as I'm the last year, I've been more aware in terms of mental health, you know, which I think is something that we don't know enough and we don't learn enough. We don't understand them enough. Like when people have mental health and I have the last years, like so I spend more, more time, like understand and study. And I've come to realize like so many people that just function, seem to function so well, but deep under it have like, you know, mental health, like depression, anxiety, or, you know, mm. bipolar or like, you know, or any, you know, some ADHD, um, you know, in the neurodivergence um, umbrella, you know, like so many people have, you know, many, many um, mental health um, problems and just function normal. And we do not, we don't know at all. And also even ourselves, you know, like, I just like, shit, I probably have anxiety for years and, you know, mm -hmm. here and then I just like brush it off and just keep going. You know, like, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to, you know, do my thing and keep going and marching. And then like, I, and then when it came out, I guess now looking back and after talking to you, I guess it's like, yeah, like it just off balance for too long. And I think it's when also when, when the, the, spirit is trying to create something new there's an even greater need for balance it's like you can no longer get away with what you could once get away with when there's that like leveling up that sense of we're about to create something new then you got to be able to show up for it so i feel that the body will start speaking to you the body will start saying hey you got to take that pause so it's beautiful that you're listening you're listening to yourself right now you're going to thailand taking the time <laughs> that's a win yeah i'm going to television very excited about it i need to go back family is important for me and that's like my route then i have to go back and see them yeah we touched on it a little bit before on a phone call, yeah but i'm really curious what your spiritual connection looks like from a thai background i spent a little bit of time in thailand I know it's largely Buddhist, 95% of the population. It's a very gentle culture, yeah. I found, but deeply spiritual. And I'm curious as to how that moves in your life. So, like, in the Western world, spiritual sort of like, yeah, like something that we don't understand, something larger, something we cannot see, something in the other dimensions and blah, 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 you know, a ghost or energy or whatever you don't want to see it but being thai spiritual is mean jit vinyan and jit is like your mind and vinyan is like your soul so spiritual is like you is inside you your inner you that is spirituality of thai culture so yes we also you know grow and that's why like there's a lot of belief in ghosts in thailand i'm i'm not here to say what to believe and not because some people might think like you know do you believe that you don't but we grew up with the idea that ghosts do exist um spirits exist and the energy that we that not in our dimension exists because we are them inside of, of us we are those spirits we are the energy they're gonna go you know we're gonna flow after we die we're going to rebound re to something depending on the karma we've done. And, you know, we believe in, you know, in um, uh, luck and we believe in the in the karma, which is essentially our energy that flow. What you do come back to you, what you wish for could have, you know, good, good karma, mm -hmm. bad karma, good energy, bad energy. We grow up with it. It's just, it is always existent. You know, all of our, our it's, it's, people can say it's a belief, but when you grow up in Thailand, it's like, it's your, it's inside of your, it's your inner core. And I have experience, you know, in the Western world where like I've met with people who also share this belief. And I also have met with many Western people who just laugh at me when I talk about like my experience when I was younger, I went to the camp. Um, like a scouting camp in Thailand and me and a bunch of friends have this experience where like you know it's clear that there were spirits that, that kind of haunted us a little bit and we all you know experience differently like I've 
heard some stuff. My friend like saw some stuff, and some people heard and saw stuff. But when we put the picture together, it's like a one you know story. And we found later that camp that we were used to be like a battling bat、um, battleground. So it used to be a lot of like soldiers like fighting and killing and and the teacher who like didn't believe in us the first night we staying there and said like oh you guys just part like stay up late night I mean we were you know it's not like we have alcohol or anything we just like stay up talking she didn't believe us but by the second night you know the events unfold and in by the end of it she you know two teacher also experienced that and they were like oh my god holy shit something happened you know. For sure, because they 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 had to come take us to stay in the teacher's、um, um, house because we were like couldn't sleep, crying, like waking up all night. And when I was telling this story to 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 went throughout my Western time, there's so many people like listen to it, and even though they don't believe it, they're curious by it or believe in it. And then also people who laugh it off and be like, "Ha ha ha, so funny that you believe in this kind of thing," you know. And I find that so. In the beginning, I was like. That's a bit rude. That's a bit arrogant. You white man, like have, but then you, who are you to judge my story? Like you didn't, like who are you? You grew up in this, you know, world where you put your mother in, you know, nursing house, and you don't respect the older, and you don't have, you know, you don't have、um, touch with your inner self. And then I realized it's true. A lot of them don't have. The touch with the inner life, with you know their jit munyan, with their soul and mind, like they lost touch with them. They don't know what that that is. And very often, of course, they're not going to believe in my experience, you know, with the spirits. I I believe it. <laughs> that is my work. So I'll tell you that I'll believe it. It's it's interesting that you just said that about Buddhist culture seeing the spirit as within, because I would agree. When I do a psychic reading for people these days, in my introduction of it, when I'm first like working with them on the phone, I'll say, you know, all I'm really doing is connecting your spirit self to your mind. I'm just helping the spirit speak, speak to the mind, and when that happens organically, we call it intuition. It's like I'm just a knowing, you know, deep within. But as a psychic, I'm just an ambassador to that knowing. I'm just creating a superhighway, if you will, between your spirit and your mind. Because you're right, I do believe that there's that. Spirit already within us, and if we have no connection to the spirit within us, then I think we also can't even sense the spirit outside of us because there's no common denominator then, and there's no way to exchange that dialogue. So I would say the Buddhists are really onto something、uh, and have a real awareness of that because it's very true. Do you in Buddhism? Do you also have a connection to? Plants in that way, and has that has that affected your cooking? Plants? Yeah, like like I'm curious, maybe not. This might be very naive of me to ask, but I I wonder. No, 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 not at all. I we do we we do believe that sometimes there's spirits in trees, for example. You know, spirits are everywhere. There are sometimes in the trees in certain trees, like they harbor the spirits and stuff like that. In terms of cooking, though, is a bit different because for you know in Buddhism, it's like we eat. Even the monks they eat everything that that given to them, so it's not like they're vegan or anything. They eat everything, but they only eat one times a day, and they eat enough to live, not live to eat. So it's about consumer, like what nature gives you, you take and you give back. When we die, we become like you know. That's why we don't bury. We just burn ourselves. We throw the ash everywhere, and we just disappear. You know, and it's like a very.、Um, In a way, like very sustainable mentality, whereas you know, like for example, like in the past when you eat Thai food, it's mostly like vegetable rice, a little bit of fish, and like you know, usually a lot of dipping and stuff like that. So the protein actually very little and not so much. And it's interesting because when I cook, one of the feedback I often get back, you know, in the Western world is like, oh, there's not enough meat. I need more. Like you know, <laughs> there's not enough. I'm I'm still hungry. For example, I have gets complaint. I'm still hungry, and I go out and I see the plate. They didn't touch the rice. They didn't touch the vegetable. They only have meat. And I'm like, well, then you're not. It's you. Of course, going to be hungry because it's Thai food, and we eat differently. We start with the rice, and we eat everything around. You know, in the way is the way. The spirit of Thai food always been very, you know, 
nature driven and very gentle to the nature um it's very not like a, you know very heavy on the protein or anything like that and it's definitely hard to try to translate that spirit into like the western world where like people not sharing food and they want big meat big protein some starch a bit of vegetable you know we are the opposite <laughs> You're like we'd be one with the plants with yeah that was my that was my inherent feeling so but you put you put it really beautifully and next time that I eat eat Thai food I'm gonna really keep that in mind as the way that it's presented and, and like the way that that it was meant to be consumed is like a really nice thought yeah but in the western world unfortunately most you know this is like another topic I can talk for days about it, but like what I discovered when I opened a restaurant is that like the customer would ask me for a chopstick and I'd be like, we don't have chopstick in Thai food. We only have chopstick when we eat noodles, but when we eat rice, we don't have, we don't eat chopstick. You know, we have curry, we have sauté dish, we have salad, we have stuff. It meant to eat with a spoon, to put the rice into the spoon with the curry, a little meat, vegetable and put in your mouth. And the customers would say, but every Thai restaurant gave me chopstick. All of them give me chopstick. And I was like, because you keep asking for it. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, now we get to the point where when you eat Thai food outside of Thailand, it really is a lot of them don't do justice to what, like they don't show, you don't give you the true spirit of Thai food simply because the audience for so long asked for something else. So they adjust themselves, mm. you know, so they have to adapt themselves. So at yeah. Kindi at my restaurant, we try we not we not doing that. We just Good. like still try to push for the boundary. Good. My my one food. I would say like authentic experience of Thai food would have been in Thailand, and I took a few cooking classes there uh, with this lovely little oh, lady. Oh, nice. Yeah, and well, the, the the funny part about it that makes me consider it is, you know, we were making a green curry, and she told us how many chilies, and you know, all the rest of it, and so I think I put like five chilies in, and I thought I was being really amazing because I was like yeah yeah I like spicy like five chilies you know and then we asked her well if you would make it for yourself how many chilies would you put in she's like oh like 25 <laughs> and I just thought oh my god it's impossible how are you how are you eating this you know it's it's amazing but it's like don't follow I, her I, don't follow no, her no exactly <laughs> so but it was just such a even me I can't eat that spicy anymore no. I eat very spicy, you know, still, but then when I go back to Thailand, I, I've got reminded how unspicy is my my palate, you know, because there people just eat so spicy. Yeah, I was amazed. That's a superpower in and of itself. I'm I'm grateful, though, that you're keeping it in its authentic form. I think the spirit, I imagine, just shines through more in that way when it's not being... When it's not adhering to this like external pressure, right? It's getting to be like its own internal beautiful experience. So I can't can't wait. Next time I'm in Berlin, I'm definitely yes, please, would love to have you on there. My bucket list of things to go do. Yeah, and and this was wonderful. Thank you so much. I am so appreciative of your time and your your wisdom and sharing so vulnerably as well because I know that it's helpful to hear that we're all navigating similar struggles. And especially as women, I, I myself, you know, also run a team and it's not easy to do it your own way. It, there's a lot of struggle to, to do it the way you think you should do it. No, no, it's like, it's a privilege for me to to be able to do what I do. I'm so grateful for the opportunities and things that allow me to do it, but it's not easy. And it's okay to say like, hey, it's, it's really hard. You know, it's really hard to do all of this. And sometimes I'm just not well. And I don't need to explain to everyone what I have in my body. I mean, I share it here because I think we hope, you know, to inspire other people to know when to not to, you know, to understand like, yeah, we can get sick and stuff. But in general, like, it's okay to say I'm not well and I just don't want to do it. And if you're in positions, you cannot do it, you know, and why not for a bit? Absolutely. Is there any last thing you want to want to share or say anything you are trying to put there out there in the world? 
Um, not much really, but just um, I just hope all the women know, like you know, that we have the power. Like we always have it. It just is, it's a matter of discovering it. You know, like I realized looking back, I always have this power. I just didn't know how to use it, and I didn't know where it was. But it's always been in me, and I think. You know, we women, we are so powerful. That's why they burn us. You know, that's why we were witches, and they burn us down because we're so powerful. We can do so many things. You know, you give us piece of, give us you know vegetables and meat. We turn them into a food. You give us a house. We turn into a home. Give us fabric. We turn into clothes and blankets. And you know, we are so powerful. And then we just have to remember that that we are more capable than we think we are. But also, at the same time, it's okay to like, hey, I'm not well, and I want to. Well, yeah, so. because that is the feminine way is to is to rest and replenish and then create and then to return, and that's power in and of itself. Yes, I think you're you're living it. <laughs> it's an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Stella. You're welcome. Thank you. You have a wonderful break in Thailand, and I hope we we stay good to see you. Yes, absolutely. 